my name is JT Wistersill, and I'm excited to welcome you to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. On today's show, I am very excited to be joined by NBA Locked On's Leaf to Lean. Leaf has been doing a ton of work on the draft, and I am really excited for him to offer his insight to us on this upcoming draft. Leaf, how are you doing today? Doing well. Happy to happy to hop on. Great. So what we're going to be doing today is a mock draft. So I'm going to be going first. I'm going to take the odd picks. You're going to take the even picks. We're going to go back and forth and just take guys, do a mock draft style. A little bit of what we would do and what we think they will do as well, I think, kind of. Like me, it's going to be, there's certain players I like that have been rumored, but there's also some rumors they like someone else. So I'm probably going to side more towards the player I like personally than the other one, if you get what I'm saying. Absolutely. Sounds good. All right, so let's get it kicked off. I am a huge Timberwolves fan, so I'm going to take the Timberwolves first. And it's an interesting draft to have the number one pick because there's no Zion, obviously. And the, just the fits with everyone are a little clunky. I think it's hard to win in today's NBA with two bigs, so it makes it difficult for them to take Wiseman. You got your point guard, D'Angelo Russell, although maybe he could play off ball next to LaMelo, but you're talking about a horrible defensive backcourt, which is what leads me to my favorite prospect in this draft it's Anthony Edwards for me if I'm the Timberwolves I'm taking Anthony Edwards I'm taking him in this mock draft I think he's a three-level scorer I love his build I think he has the build to become a better defender than LaMelo fit from a physical standpoint he's got the strong body there so mentioned the scoring the three-point touch he can be a little streaky but I like it I still like him from there I love the way he attacks the basket and I still I think he wants to be great I still I think he can I trust him a little more than LaMelo it's a personal thing and I think the fit's a little better than D'Angelo Russell I think he can play off ball pretty well versus I mean if you have LaMelo play off ball I just think it's it's a bad fit because he's so impressive on the ball I think Edwards can work really well off the ball and I think he's the best draft scorer and I think they'll go with him at number one what do you think about that yeah see to me I I think LaMelo is the the best prospect in this draft because he has a trait that's the most rare in my opinion he's got this otherworldly feel where he can go to point A from point B and pass the ball like a maestro the second he enters the league. He's got, he's got a feel that isn't – I'm not comparing him to Luca, but he's got a similar uh, positional size makeup and, and ability to navigate the pick and roll of Luca coming out of – when Luca came out uh, from Europe. So I, I like him, but I, like you said, it's an awful defensive backcourt. Towns isn't a great rim protector either. Um, so you, I understand that pick. I personally would go with the, the more rare skill because I think they've tried the experiment of an athletic wing before in Zach Levine and Andrew Wiggins with Towns and, and either have panned out beautifully, but, but I totally understand the, uh, the, the point, the perspective you bring up of, Hey, this guy fits alongside Russell and, and Towns better than LaMelo because I saw that. I mean, they'd probably give up 130 points a game if it <laughs> starts early. <laughs> I agree with you there. One of the other things I'll bring up with the LaMelo thing is he's so spectacular with the ball in his hands. I almost worry about that causing some friction there. If that team starts to losing, we know LaMelo's not the best leader. And I'm not saying Edwards is either, but I just worry when things start to go bad, if those guys turn on each other a little bit, D'Angelo wants out because he's not the main ball handler. And because of the way the politics of the NBA play into things, Cronothy Towns then wants out because his best friend wants out. Maybe he's looking at an attractive location like Phoenix. I think that's another reason that scares me a little bit when it comes to LaMelo. It's just the fact that it might not work. And my biggest goal as a Timberwolves fan is to not only win, but to keep Cronothy Towns because I think he's a transcendent and special player. But enough on the Timberwolves. Let's shift to the Golden State Warriors. Leaf, what do you think they, they do? Presuming they, say, they stay with this pick. 
Yeah, no, I think they, they need to shop this pick as, as heavily as they can and try to get value out of it. But assuming they keep the pick, I think they should take James Wiseman. And, and I just said that I think LaMelo is the best prospect in the draft, and I really do. But I think James Wiseman presents value both in media and in the, in the long term. Uh, he's got a crazy body, 7-1 with a 7-6 wingspan, runs like a deer, and plays with good efforts on the offensive glass. Um, and the Warriors have won. I mean, in past years, they've had more talent, too, and, and they were not coming off injuries. But they've won with Kavon Looney's, um, Jordan Bell's, Festus Azili's of the world. And James Wiseman is certainly more talented than them. He could grow better than LaMelo could grow in a year where they've, they're going to rely heavily on Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Um, and I don't think he'll be as hindered by the lack of ball touches as LaMelo Ball. So I think that's the best pick for, for the immediate uh, – future where they're trying to compete in the next two to three years and then down the road where, where he gets to learn from these savvy veterans who obviously are going to get him playoff experience I think he could be a cornerstone of that franchise down the future as well I totally agree with you there I really I think he has a ton of upside instantly he can come in I mean I've heard someone call him DeAndre Jordan I feel like that's the floor instantly but I feel like eventually we're talking about with the shooting offensively and he's shown like little flashes they were more in high school of even being able to create off the dribble against the biggest guys maybe so it'd be interesting to see and I think I mean they'd love to trade back but like you said if they stay which leads me to number three with the Charlotte Hornets who are in a fascinating position to me because they have there's so many things on their roster you like, but nothing you love. You really like Devontae Graham. Wouldn't stop you from taking another point guard. Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, nice players. You take a forward. And then the center is the glaring need on this team, which I we went back. I almost took a center because I feel like they, they're, I think, the most likely trade for Russell Westbrook right now. But at the end of the day, there was a report this morning that Michael Jordan gave the okay on them taking LaMelo Ball. That was my biggest concern. I didn't think Michael Jordan would want LaMelo. But the fact that he does... I'm going to take it. I'm going to take him here for Charlotte. They get their guy to run the show. I think Devontae can play off the ball, get the ball to those athletes in space too. I think it would work out well. I agree with a lot of things you said on LaMelo. He's, he's definitely a maestro with the ball. He just passes it so well. He creates opportunities, his touch. And I think his shot can improve. I think a lot of that was shot selection. And you just hope with good coaching, they can rein him in a little bit. But I want to hear, your, since he is your favorite player in the draft, tell me a little bit more about LaMelo and how you think he'd fit in Charlotte. I think the fit in Charlotte would be really interesting considering they do play two small guards and, and he's not small, but, but he is a point guard. Um, so I think they'd have to get rid of Rozier. Uh, I'm not a huge Terry Rozier fan, but I think Devonte Graham proved in college that he can play without the ball. He played with Frank Mason who won the Naismith award um, as the most outstanding college player. And he was a true point guard. So Devonte Graham shoots well off the catch as we've seen in college and in the NBA. Um, Lamelo could instantly take the reins. And I think that's a great pick. I think the fit would be interesting immediately. The glaring need, as you said, is a center. But I think LaMelo's ability to score um, is, is downplayed by his passing. I think he can still score. His shot selection isn't beautiful, and this, that, thus his shooting percentages weren't great. But there is touch. His floaters and his finishes all are above average, certainly for even his size, but certainly for a point guard. And that will contribute instantaneously. And, you, you know, you could put, plug him in and he'll get you 13, seven and seven as a rookie. And then that'll only go up from there. Uh, I think, I think because he's got so much feel, he can't go any lower than three, even though it's not a picture perfect fit with the Hornets. Yeah. I, I mean, I almost passed on him and went to four. I think that's the doomsday scenario, but you're passing on a lot of talent and potential. If you pass on the ball, we definitely agree in that regard. So put Chicago in a very interesting 
position. I mean, the top three, it went kind of in different order, but it's expected. So they're in an interesting spot. So what do you think they do at number four? I think this is the, the turning point of the draft, to be honest, because whoever Chicago decides to pick it for influences uh, five through 10, like hugely more than just like, oh, wow, they took four. So that was the guy on our big board. It, the directions of the draft can shift. I think Chicago should take Patrick Williams of Florida State because Chicago has a guard. They have two guards that are there that they want for their future already in Kobe White and Zach Levine. They have two bigs, Wendell Carter and Laurie Markinen, who they want for the future. So what are they missing? They have Otto Porter Jr., who, who may, may not even be on the roster this coming year. Patrick Williams can play the three of the four. He's 6'8", 225, the youngest player in the draft that, that attended college. Um, he, he shoots 84% from the free throw line. He's defensively the best help defensive player uh, uh, that's not a true big, but still offers great rim protection. He's, he passes well, and he can navigate the pick and roll at 6'8". I, I think he's too high potential to pass up, and it fits a need. And the other option I would have considered is Tyrese Halliburton to play him at the one and play Kobe White off six man and kind of, kind of score and Halliburton be the true point guard. But I think Williams's potential is higher than Halliburton's. And I think that at this point for the Bulls, you need to go potential over immediate fit. Mm -hmm. You've been even one of the highest guys I know on Patrick Williams. So you get to scoop your guy up for Chicago. And I think that is a good move for them. I mean, it's, it's the glaring need when you look at their roster from a, standpoint I don't know if the Colby White Zach Levine backcourt is a long-term sustainable thing but if you're going to make it work it's nice to have a guy like Patrick Williams who can play off those guys and grow into more of a star role so that takes me to Cleveland at five we're still waiting to see if the guard situation works out between the the Colin Sexton Darius Garland thing they got these a bunch of big guys that aren't don't fit this team's timeline at all and Kevin Love Andre Drummond, even Larry Nance Jr. to this point. So, and then I do, I like Kevin Porter. We'll see what he can become, but I really think they could use a modern small ball four to small ball five, even in situations. And I'm going to take Obi Toppin here. I'm really high on Toppin personally. He was the best player in college basketball last year, winning the Naismith award. I think he's a really good shooter. He does a great job. He could he'd be a great small ball five. I mean, he takes it very good in the pick and roll, pick and roll or pick and pop and a freak athlete in transition can slam it down attacks well and takes advantage of mismatches, mismatches in the paint posts up very well and scores there. So I, I like Toppin here. I think he'd fit well with this team at the, at starting at the four and then even moving to the five. Now, defensively, if you, whether you're talking about Kevin Love and Toppin or Kevin Love and Drummond, they're going to give up a lot of points. But, I mean, it's Cleveland. They're probably always going to not be the best defensively because I, I still don't know how Garland is on that end. But I'm personally, I really like Toppin. What are your thoughts on Toppin? Well, I think he's an intriguing prospect in the sense that he's proven it on film that he's a dominant player in college basketball. He's got some weaknesses. In, in his mobility um, he, he's he's pretty uh, he plays pretty upright in his stance on defense so I worry about his switchability I think that Toppin is a good pick for the Cavaliers if they were to give up Love or Drummond I think I think they'd want to get him immediate exposure and allow him to score because he's an offensively gifted player with vertical spacing as well as horizontal spacing meaning he can shoot and he can catch lobs but I think that's a good good spot for him because he fits a timeline. If they're going to go younger and giving up either one of uh, Drummond or Love, that means that he'll play with Garland and Sexton and be able to play immediately and often with, with two players for the future. And I, I think that's a solid pick. 
Mm-hmm. And it would be really interesting to see the fit there. What happens? Andre Drummond picked up that $28 million option, which would, he would have been crazy not to. I don't know. Yeah, like you said, you don't know if he's long for that world. But when you have two guys who are so ball dominant in Sexton and, and Garland, it seems at least right now, it's nice to have a guy like Toppin. But moving on to number six, one of my favorite current like rebuilding teams in the NBA is the Atlanta Hawks. I thought they really could have used a Drew Holiday. He's now a he's now joined the Bucks. So what do you think the Hawks do here at six? I think this is one of the picks that is certainly looking to be traded. I think they want to get an immediate piece, but assuming they keep the pay, uh, the pick, I'm torn between Tyrese Halliburton, Onyeka Kongwu, and Isaac Okoro. And, and I'll give you a few very brief reasons, and then I'll reveal why I end up picking Tyrese Halliburton. Okay. So I think for, I chose Halliburton because uh, he provides an, a, a player that can play defense shoot the ball so he doesn't compromise spacing but he also alleviates pressure on trey young who's going to be seeing some of the most doubles off screens or just in general of any player in the nba he also fits a really nice timeline like you said they've got a cool rebuild going um i think john collins cam reddish deandre hunter kevin herter and obviously trey young and then they have capella but i'm not sure capella fits the timeline which is why i was tempted to take okongwu and play a very stout defense defensive player who can also slide a bit better than Capella. Capella is more of a rim protector. Um, and then the last one I was tempted for was Okoro. And we, just because he's a great defensive player and the Hawks are anemic on the, that end of the ball. Um, they, they are, they can't stop anyone. And I, I think that he'd be good, but I think because they have Deandre Hunter and um, Cam Reddish already, the best pick was Tyrese Halliburton because he, he shoots the ball okay. He can play sixth man. He can play the two guard next to Trey Young. He can play the point guard, let Trey Young run the two. He provides positional versatility, and he doesn't compromise you on either side of the ball. In fact, he, he adds a nice playmaker to an offensive side and height for defense. I think the load that Trey Young has to shoulder last year is just in that James Harden role. It has to do everything. I mean, it's great from a standpoint of him puts up numbers, but it's just not sustainable for his career. I feel like it's nice to get a guy in Halliburton in there for you could it could be Dame and CJ. I mean, Dame plays if Dame's when Dame's in, Dame's the point guard. When he's out, CJ McCollum's in. Always one of them is in. I think that's what you want to do with those two guys there. So I really like the Halliburton thing. His leadership is really impressive too. Going to bring in a winning mentality that, that that Atlanta organization needs. There's pressure from the ownership for that team to go in and win and make the playoffs. So they'll be fighting for those late round late round playoff spots. And a guy like Halliburton gives him a chance to do that. So. I'm up here at number seven with the Pistons. I think the board kind of shook a little interesting for them. They're just even the draft lottery did. I think they're one of the teams that would have loved to have LaMelo ball. Just let him handle everything. They're really, you don't really know what they're doing. They have Derek Rose and Blake Griffin, who you like right now, but long-term, I mean, what are they going to do? Their best young asset is probably say Doku Dumbayu. If on thus, I mean, you can throw Luke Kennard in there as well, but I mean, I feel like he's, I mean, he's even good enough to help a team win right now. So I'm going to go with Denny Oftia for them. I would love to see an offense built around Denny's playmaking and passing ability. I think he's right up there. I think he's not LaMelo. I think he's a little more in the conversation with Halliburton, but I think he's extremely gifted with the ball in his hands. Not the best defender, but he hustles out there. He's not going to give you bad efforts. So you like that brings a little swagger that you definitely like to see as well. And I think his sh- he's not the greatest shooter, but you just hope that can continue to come along. He's made some in transition too, which would be nice. And he's everywhere he's been, he's won a little bit too. So I'm a big fan on Denny. I always, I'm usually a sucker for bigger guys that can pass. I love Jokic and he's not as big as Jokic, but I think he could be really good if you run an offense through him with some 
playmakers around him. So what are your thoughts on Denny? Yeah, I, I like that pick. Um, I, I'm firmly of the belief that Troy Weaver and the Pistons are going to try to move up and get LaMelo Ball. I think that they're one of the teams. So what's interesting is LaMelo, they, their seventh pick, as you mentioned, the lottery didn't shake out in their favor, but they still secured a workout with LaMelo Ball, who's by all accounts going to go top three. So I'm, I, I really think that they're going to try to go for him. So, but if they can't, I think they'd try to go for a playmaker, whether that be Halliburton or Denny. So I like that pick. I think you play him with Dembuya, Christian Woods there. I like Christian Wood. He may be on the move though. Um, Kennard, good shooter. I think, I think you try to get someone who can facilitate and that, and that's what Denny will do for them. Yeah, absolutely. agree with you there on the, the facilitating thing. And it would be big for them if they could, keep Christian Wood. He's been a really good player evolved into one. So now we're at the Knicks who are another team in an interesting spot. They finally, I'm personally, I still like RJ Barrett. I'm willing to give him some time. Mitchell Robinson excites me, but the rest of the guys, it's kind of crazy how Dennis Smith Jr.'s career has panned out. Just never, I mean, everyone thought he'd be pretty good. I mean, even though he went nine, everyone was like, oh, he should have gone way earlier. And he's kind of looked like the player who went ninth. Him and Frank aren't getting it done in the backcourt for them there. And then you bring in Tom Thibodeau, who's famous for playing those rookies and just his players, a lot of minutes running those guys down, prioritizing defensive guys. So I don't know what the Knicks do. What do you think they're going to do, Leaf? This is a tough one because the way the lottery played out is, is similar to the Pistons. It didn't, it didn't, wasn't very conducive to what they need. They'd, be lo- they'd love to get Tyrese Halliburton um, because he's not on the board. I think they still have to go guard. So that puts you between Killian Hayes of France, um, Kira Lewis of Alabama. And I think a sneaky idea would be RJ Hampton. Um, but I think, I think they're, they'd go with, I think they'll go with Killian Hayes. Um, he provides size, which is, you know, positional size is, is a really strong attribute in today's game. And I think a lot of teams are going to follow that prototype um, that they want positional size, someone to see over a defense who can also pr- pr- uh, create for themselves. Uh, I think I agree with you. I think RJ, RJ Barrett, if he were in this class, would be the clear cut number one pick, to be honest with you. I think he, he had a, he's proven that he's a winner and he's a scorer at Duke at Montverde and he, and he, he's learning how to pass in the NBA. So I think you've got to go point guard and not force another shooting guard in there to compete with him. So I think Killian Hayes, because he's bigger, he's six, six, he is very left-hand dominant, which is kind of funny because RJ Barrett is as well. Um, but, but he, he navigates the pick and roll. Well, he is a decent shooter. And I think he's got this form to improve greatly as the season progresses and his career progresses. So I think that's a good pick, especially with Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, RJ Barrett, Frank Nilakita, and Killian Hayes. That's, that's not a bad rebuilding, um, team. It's not a horrible roster at all. Yeah, I agree. I think they're in a better place than we make them out to be sometimes just because they've been bad for so long. When you look at pieces there and you're like, it can pan out. And if there's, we criticize, like I said, I criticized Thibodeau kind of, I mean, he didn't work out with the Timberwolves, but I mean, he's won everywhere he's been. And if you get those guys in there, Killian plays pretty good defense. We know he's a good facilitator, so it'd be fun. And I think he continues to evolve as that we've seen kind of his step back game a little bit. So continue to see that evolve. I'd be fun. I like him in New York. So that brings us to number nine with the Wizards who, I think like realistically for them, their top two guys are still available. When you talk about Oneke Okongwu and Isaac Okoru, I think Okoru maybe even fits a little better, slide him in there. And I've talked to you about this before, Leaf, is I'm a Thomas Bryant guy. I'm a believer in Thomas Bryant. I think he's a solid NBA center who could be pretty good, but he doesn't have the upside of Oneke Okongwu. And because of that, you have to take Oneke Okongwu. You love Okoru's defense, but you would rather have Okongwu for what he could do on both ends. 
John Wall, he's a very good passer, we know. So give him a lob threat. He could man the middle of their defense. Very good rim protector. Also has a pretty good post-up game, too. He's a traditional throwback big. Not much of a shooter from three, but mid-range continues to come along a little bit, you hope. And the most important thing is he guards very well in space. So I think Okongwu would be the pick here if they if the board falls this way for them. And I think they'd be pretty happy with it. Could not agree more. I when you were when you were hinting at Okoro, I kind of I had a feeling you were going to go back to Okongwu, and I'm I'm happy you did because that that's the pick that I, I guarantee you the Wizards are are so happy if the lottery shakes out as we projected it to because Thomas Bryan is a good player, but what what's stopping you from having both him and Okongwu? Okongwu provides a defensive versatility that is phenomenal, and he presents. He, I mean, I don't think he's Bam Adebayo, but he's the closest body type wise and defensive sliding ability for a big. Uh, and he presents decent passing ability. I don't think he's at the level of Bam that we've seen, but nor was Bam when he was drafted. No one thought, oh, Bam can do this. The, the Heat were surprised themselves. So I think that's the that's a great pick. And I, I'd be really thrilled if I were Bradley Beal, John Wall and the Wizards. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do coming back or if there's the rumored trades of Wall for Westbrook, which is like the two worst contracts in the lead going back and forth. So it'll be very interesting to monitor Washington. One last quick thing on Kongwu for you. How much does the foot injury concern you? It seems to be minor, but sometimes guys fall for that stuff. So I, I saw that report earlier today that that he was going to be in, in falling out of the lottery. It turns out it was just a toe injury. Um, it, he's out one to three weeks. Um, so I, I'm not concerned as long as that report isn't false and it's something like in the bottom of his foot impacting a big man, but he's also not like a gray Godin. Greg Godin was built very differently from Okongwu. And I, and I think granted, I don't think they'd lie about it being a toe. Like it's hard to say a toe is the middle of your foot. Um, so I'm not too concerned. And I'd be, I'd be pretty sad if he slipped out of the top 10, because I think he's a very deserving talent of being a top 10 pick. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Danny Ainge is the one who's spreading those rumors about the lower of the foot injury being worse because we all know Ainge really wanted to trade up for him. But at number I made 10, that we, exact same joke. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we get to the Suns at 10 who are just traded for Chris Paul, but maybe they still need a guard of the future. I really like the position the Suns are in right now. I think when you're, I mean, outside of Golden State, obviously, I think they're in the best position of a top 10 team. So what do you think Phoenix does here at 10? Uh, previously I would have said Kyra Lewis, um, but they traded for Chris Paul and I think they want someone who can provide immediately. And I think, I think the best picks are between Devin Vassell, who is a three and D, um, through and through, uh, he shot 41 and a half percent from three is a sophomore season at Florida state and is one of the best defenders in the draft, or you go for the best defender in the draft, Isaac Okoro and pair him with Mikael Bridges. I think Okoro has more upside down the road than Vassell. So I'm going to go Isaac Okoro. I think immediately they might want to pick Vassell, but I, I think they know that Chris Paul can get him to the playoffs, but I don't think they're a championship contender. So they'll go for the higher upside and take Isaac Okoro. But I certainly would not be stunned if they took Vassell in that same situation. Mm -hmm. I, I'm with you there. I think it, it'll be interesting if they do either. Cause like you said, like right now he can come in and hit some threes for them to sell and give them good perimeter defense. But like Isaac Okoro is the kind of guy in the final minute of a playoff game, you're going to call a timeout and sub Okoro in on the defensive end. 
So I think it'll be interesting to see what they do in that position. I got the Spurs next, and I am very bummed you took Okoru because you can kind of see the – I was he could come in there. He's not Kawhi Leonard, but when you look at him, it's just like, oh, he's the defensive prospect who you hope his offensive game develops. His shot was never going to leach Kawhi levels, but would have been fun to see how San Antonio develops him. So I, yeah, I'm bummed you took Okoru from me because now I'm trying to – because uh, I, I just, I just think he's a top 10 talent. Like, I like agree. If, you, if you could tell me that like he turns into Andre Iguodala, like even, even Warriors and Andre Iguodala, but I think he could be like 76 or uh, and Nuggets, Andre Iguodala. He fits the exact body mold and, and, and he passes and he doesn't shoot very well, but he's a, he's a very good athlete in transition finishes. Well, if you tell me you can get Andre Iguodala light at 10, you have to do it. I agree. Especially in this draft, very well taken point. So that brings us to the Spurs, who I, I mean, the best players on the board right now, I feel like might be some point guards next to Vassell, but I'm still interested to see what the Derek White, DeJounte Murray backcourt can do. I still think those guys can be good, and I trust the staff to develop them. So I'm going to resist the urge to take a guard, and I'm going to go with Sadiq Bey. Might be a little early, but some people have him right along here. I know he's his floor is like a really good 3 and D guy, but I think he's got even more upside than that on the offensive end. I know you're a big Bay fan, so Leaf, tell me why what you like about Sadiq Bey. I think I just like, I, I love the pick for the Spurs specifically. Um, I actually had him at 11 on my board too. And I, I think it's because he was, he fits perfectly for what they want. Um, they, uh, or maybe not even what they want, but he fits perfectly for what the Spurs do. At Villanova, you're taught to jumpstart. You're, you're, you're taught to pass. You're, you're taught to defend. You're taught to switch on defense. It's like an NBA system in college. So Sadiq Bey is ready to play from day one. And he shoots 45% from three. He's six, eight long. Um, he, he passes well. He slashes. He's strong. He's a sophomore. He's, he's built up his body. I think he's immediately able to contribute to that team. He can learn under DeRozan, assuming he stays. Um, he did opt in, but there's still, still some trade rumors. Um, and, and I think he, he offers versatility that few in this draft do at that position. Whereas like you could go with Neesmith or Vassell. Those are both Neesmith is a great shooter, but I don't think he offers too much more. Vassell's a really good defender, probably a better defender than Bay, but Bay offers more on offense. And I think the Spurs need someone who could provide a secondary or tertiary facilitator who could also splash the three ball. Yeah. And I think, I mean, they play Lonnie Walker at small forward who maybe, I mean, he's okay there, but I, I like, I think Bay looks better long-term there so let's shift over to Sacramento just got rid of Bogdanovich buddy healed wants out they're in a very interesting position we still don't jury still out on what Marvin Bagley will become I, I love De'Aaron Fox but what do you think the Kings do here Leaf? I, th I think the pick's Devin Vassell I think I think he's a, a better defender than Bogdanovich or healed and he he probably won't be as good of a shooter but he will be a good shooter um, and, and he's a perfect three and D he's ready instantly for the NBA he played at Leonard Hamilton's Florida state team, who is a high ball pressure plays fast. And he's a really good transition player as he dis uh, displayed at Florida state. That's what the Luke Walton, and the Kings want to do. Um, I think it's a really good fit. And the only other player I really can uh, considered was Aaron Neesmith, who's basically buddy healed, but a tiny bit taller. Um, but until buddy healed's gone, I, I don't, I don't think you want to take someone who will take time to be Buddy Healed. So I'm, I'm going Vassell. Yeah, I like that pick. I think he fits well next to Fox because of that defensive versatility you discussed. Do you remember the team that originally picked Buddy Healed in the draft? The Pelicans. 
Exactly. And you just kind of talked about why you think Aaron Neesmith is like Buddy Heald. And that's exactly who I think the Pelicans need right now is a shooter who can play next to Lonzo. Lonzo needs the ball in his hands and is going to be your best guy defensively. Neesmith can spot up and shoot the three. Like you said, he's probably the best draft, the best shooter in this draft. And I think he fit well with their current team. You've got to get some spacing for Zion and Brandon Ingram. Ingram operates really well in the mid-range. And you got to get, let Zion drive and post up and also masking for Lonzo's deficiencies as a shooter. So I, I like Nee Smith here. Tell me a little bit more about how you think he'd fit here and what you like about Nee Smith. Well, I think the, the appeal of Neesmith is, as you said, shooting. He shot 52% from three through 14 games on seven and a half shots per game. Um, that's incredible volume, especially considering the defenses knew he was a shooter. Um, he played for Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt, and they ran an NBA offense with elevator screens, some some uh, flares. So his footwork's phenomenal. He's he he's not only the best pure shooter, but his footwork is the best off ball of anyone in this draft. Um, he's competent defensively, but like you said, he's with some high, high athletic defenders. Um, he won't be needed to handle the ball, which is one of his bigger deficiencies. That he doesn't seem like he creates, um, but he, he can shoot in the NBA at a high level from day one. I, I think that the fit there is interesting because you just made a crazy trade. You, 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 got, you gave up Drew Holiday and you got Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and, and some picks. Um, so I think... I think it's a good pick because previously I would have said you want a point guard. Um, you want a point guard who can shoot. So I would have gone maybe Tyrell Terry, Kyra Lewis. And, but now I think, I think that's the pick. I, I agree with you. I think he fits the needs the most for the Pelicans. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where they go there because like you mentioned, and this puts you in an interesting position at 14, there are a lot of really talented high upside guards that have fallen a little bit in our mock. So what do you think Boston does here as a team in obviously really good position, wanted to trade up for a big, there's not one great here, unless you want to swing for the fences with Polachewski. But so what do you think Boston does here at 14? Oh, see, I want, I was going to take me Smith. I think they could have just used him immediately off the bench and said, Hey, you're a better shooter than semi Ojale. So here you go. Um, so that was going to be my pick. And I think now you, 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 I'm tempted to pick Pokushevsky, but, but I think what I'd do is I'd take RJ Hampton. I think RJ Hampton is an American prospect who grew up in the grassroots system, went to New Zealand in the NBL. Um, he's six, five, he's 19 years old and he's got really good top end athleticism and he's got the form to be a good shooter. I think you go for a high, high upside pick that doesn't need to contribute immediately and won't. And he'll learn under Kemba. He'll learn under, uh, under Tatum and Brown. And then down the road, he could be a starting two, uh, two guard or a, or a point guard for them. Cause they've got, a, they've got a long window. It's not, it's not a, Hey, this year we need to win. They can be good for the next seven years if they keep their core together. So I think you keep, you, you go with someone who has got high ceiling, but he's not as much of a unicorn as, as Pokushevsky because you don't know if Pokushevsky can defend and he won't get the ball that much for the Celtics considering they have Tatum and Brown for the foreseeable future. I mean, we not, we might not even see Polachewski in the NBA in 
to in four more years anyways with how much development his body still needs. But I, I love the Hampton pick. I was had the pleasure of watching him play in high school. I think his floor is a really good six man in the NBA at least. And I mean, I think there's a slim chance he could even one day maybe get to an all-star if the cards broke right for him with the talent he has as a scorer. But that takes us to Orlando at 15. And I know they have Markel Fultz, but I think they could still go with another guard here. Evan Fournier is not long for this team. So you get some intriguing guys and Kyrie Lewis, Tyrese Maxey. I think I'm going to go with Maxey. I like his, what he brings as a scorer a little bit. I think the shot, he continues to develop it a little bit, but I still think he's a pretty good shooter. You like what he does in transition, attacking the basket best. Needs a little more work as a passer, I think, but I think he's a pretty good defender as well. But the biggest thing, I think he's the most talented guard on the board. And I think if you're Orlando, that's what you go for here. So what do you think about Maxey? I think Maxie's best attribute is wing defense, actually. I think he's got a really long wingspan. He slides very well. Um, I think his shot's a lot better than the 29% sh- uh, he shot at Kentucky. He has a knack for hitting big shots, too. Like his first game, he played Michigan State and hit a dagger in the Champions Classic. Um, I-, I like that pick. I, I think I would have gone for a point guard because I, I think DJ Augustine, who's their starting point guard, I, I know you mentioned Fultz is there as well. But I think you could play a smaller guard with Fultz because Fultz is a big guy um, as a guard. So, but I, I think that's a good pick. He fits the Magic's like mo that they like to play good, solid perimeter defense, and and he fits that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're talking. If you're telling me he plays good defense when you throw in a Fultz's length, if Jonathan Isaac can get back healthy. And then you have Aaron Gordon. If he's still there, that is an impressive defensive lineup that will help the Magic once again reach the eighth seed and get swept because that's all they seem content with doing. (laughs) But moving on next, we have the first one of the bigger trades that happened more recently was not as big as the superstar ones, but an underrated one is Robert Covington gets shipped out to the Portland, which is a great move for Portland, but allows Houston to finally get into this first round and at 16 overall. So what do you think Houston does at 16? Yeah, Houston hasn't had a draft pick for four years, so this is uh, wow. this is weird for them. And and they've got a kind of a rebooted team. They're they're no longer small ball. They they gave Daryl Morey's in Philadelphia, Mike D'Antoni's in Brooklyn. Um, so Stephen Silas and company. Let's see what what they do. There's rumors they're going to Westbrook and James Harden, and I and I think they're going total rebuild. So the most important position in basketball to me remains the point guard. So I'm going Kyra Lewis. I think he's he's not De'Aaron Fox, but he's he's nearly as fast. He's not the vertical threat that Fox is, um, or like in terms of how quickly Fox can just explode and dunk a ball. But he's quick. He's got a, a he's got a pretty jump shot in terms of form. The, the the results haven't quite followed, but he's electric. He reads the reads screens really well. Um, he drives and picks really well. He fits what the Rockets did of old, and what I think they'll continue to do in terms of driving and kicking shooting a lot of threes even if it's not crazy analytics like Mori ball um but i think i think he's the also the best talent left on the board um unless you're taking pokushevsky which i, I just don't think you, you want to take a swing when you're rebuilding this early in the stage um so i think you got a top t- potential top 10 pick talent at 16 someone who can handle the rock for you if they keep westbrook or Harden, you, you can learn under them or play alongside of them he brings some dynamism he's a He's a charismatic guy and he's only 19 years old. So I, I'd take Kyra Lewis. I agree with you totally on the upside, best player available. And he will definitely bring you excitement in Houston. So this takes me back to the Timberwolves at 17. Our 
first repeat team and they got the guard earlier in Edwards and I think they could use a Ford. Now they're a team that would love for Sadiq Bay to fall to them, but as we saw earlier, that's probably not going to happen. So I think they go a little bit more for the upside with Precious Achua, if I'm saying his name correctly, coming out of Memphis. He's a big, he's six, nine forward. He was, he fits well, I think as an NBA power forward in today's game, he needs to update the shot a little bit, but I think, I mean, early, he could even be your bench center brings in some energy like that. And especially the defensive versatility, you hope you can hone him in on that end of the floor because next to cat, you really need a good defensive player. And I think that's what precious provides here. So what do you think about precious? Well, I, I, first off, I just really like that pick for the Timberwolves. And, and I, I talked to you off air about that as well. I thought that at 17, if he's there, the Timberwolves fans should be ecstatic. Um, he's, he's so high energy. Like that's the biggest thing about him. He's, he's long, he's six, nine, seven foot wingspan. He's the only freshman in college basketball, believe it or not, to average a double double this past year. And even while doing so, he's living in Wiseman's shadow. Uh, Wiseman didn't play and they're like every game, James Wiseman didn't play. Precious Achua was there and he was balling. He, 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 he put up big numbers as a freshman. He was able to impact the game with his defense. And even though his offense wasn't fully refined, he was still able to put up points in a, in a competitive league as a freshman. So if you put him next to Towns, for instance, and Edwards, and in your case, and uh, D'Angelo Russell, you just ask him to dunk. Like you play him at the dunker spot. You ask him, hey, defend, rebound, slide your feet. And, and then you develop him. And, and I think that that's the thing that Timberwolves sorely needs. Someone who's just willing to say, hey, I'll play defense and I'll run the floor. Give me, give me easy baskets. Give me 10 points of free throws and dunks and maybe one jump shot a game and eight rebounds early on and continue building up. So I, I really like that pick. And, and I think he's, a, he's one of those guys that is slept on for some reason, even though he produced at a high level as a freshman. I think the only reason he could be slept on is the shot, correct? And how likely is it you think he can at least get to the level where he hits open NBA three-pointers? I'm not sure he'll ever be a great shooter, but I I wouldn't rule it out. He's still young in his development basketball-wise. So I I don't think – and I also don't think it's it's imperative to be able to shoot. He could play small ball center. I mean, he's got the length. Like, if you you ask me – if he, he could play center behind Towns in a, in a small ball second unit, I, I think he could. Um, so I don't think it's imperative for him to become a knockdown shooter, but obviously it doesn't hurt. Yeah, helps when you have Cronthy Towns, who's one of the best three-point shooting centers we've ever exactly. seen that could fit well next to him. So that takes us to 18 with the Mavericks. There's been rumors that once another team that could be looking to trade down or up in the draft, interesting position for them. And I mean, they're in a great position, obviously, just to, in the, from a team standpoint, when you talk about Luca Kristaps and the young core, they've got there some intriguing role players there. But what do you think Dallas does here at 18, presuming they stay? This is this is a really hard pick for me because I really wanted Neesmith to go to the Mavs, um, and and I know Mavs fans want Sadiq Bay, so I would I'm torn here. I, I think I think it's it's tempting to say you go for Pokushevsky and you get these European unicorns, and and I'm not just saying that because it's funny and and it's but but like Porzingis, Luca, and Pokushevsky, but I really think he could fit. Uh, that said, I think Dallas thinks they can compete now. So I would, I would go, I would go Desmond Bain. I think Desmond Bain provides a forty-three percent shooter who's mature. He's 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 pretty ripped. He can play one through three defensively, and he will provide some 
off like he can handle the ball and if you want to spell luca get him some rest instead instead of holding that outrageous usage rate he can handle the ball he'll shoot a high level in immediately he's already an nba ready defender uh he won't provide you athleticism going forward but the mavericks like to slow the game down let luca facilitate and if you tell me you can get a 40 percent three-point shooter at 18 who is a decent defender i think that's a win-win and I, I think they might try to move up or back. I, I just feel like they're in no man's land a little bit, but I think Desmond Bain is a good pick for the Mavericks. Totally agree with you on Bain. I haven't done as much work on Bain, but I mean, I heard Malcolm Brogdon as a draft comp and I was sold on him instantly. You talked about, I know he's got a little bit of the three and the ability to handle the ball a little bit. I assume if we're calling him Malcolm a little bit and then all right defense, I think that'd be a nice fix. Someone who could play on and off the ball next to Luca. So uh, that brings us to Brooklyn. And right now they have this pick. I think it could end up going to Houston, but if it doesn't, they're already going to more than likely have to mortgage Jared Allen, Harris LeVert, all these other young, talented guys to down there to Houston in order to get hardened. So I think it'd be nice for them to get a young developmental big. And I'm not going to go with Polachewski, actually. I'm going to go with Jalen Smith, the center out of Maryland. He's a guy who can shoot the three and is pretty athletic as well. I think they need to reel him in a little bit, but I think you're talking about a lob threat rim protector who, if you want to just space the floor and let Harden and Kyrie do their ISO ball thing, he can sit in the corner and knock down some threes early for you. And you hope he continues to develop. He wouldn't start for them. They have DeAndre Jordan, but I think long-term it'd be nice to have a cheap center when you're paying so much for those three stars. Cause I do think James Harden's going to end up on the net. So what do you think about Jalen Smith? I think Jalen Smith's an interesting pick because I think he's got, he's got a really pretty jump shot at 6'10", and he's, he's long. He, he needs to work on his lateral movement. I, I don't see him as a power forward. I, th- I see him as a center, um, and I think that's a divisive point among uh, general managers because some people can see him having positional versatility. I don't think he slides well enough to be a true one through five, like slide, like on switches type of guy. But I think that's a good pick because he won't be asked to do much immediately because they'll still have DeAndre Jordan, even if they mortgage out Jared Allen, Karis LeVert. He can step in, hit a few jump shots. He can protect the rim in limited minutes. And I think it's a high upside pick. Yep, I agree with you there. So moving on, we have the Miami Heat coming off at number 20, coming off their world championship. Get a, get a trade in here to slide in at number 20, and they draft and develop guys so well. So honestly, it's not which, like, who's coming into Miami, like, oh, Miami's lucky to get this guy. Who's lucky to be picked by Miami and more than likely turned into a really good NBA player? This is a tough one for me. Um, they've got a lot of three and D type guys here. Um, they've got bigs. They've, I think, I think if I'm Miami, I would take, I think I'd take Tyrell Terry. And I, and I was, I'm tempted. I would, I think the 76ers would be punching air if they did. And that may be the case for you. Um, I think I'd take Tyrell Terry because he shoots the ball at a, he's the best off the dribble shooter in this draft. In my opinion, uh, he shoots the ball at a high level. He put on 15 pounds of muscle in this off season. He's he set like NBA draft combine records for some intelligence tests. They do. Um, I think he fits the culture. He's not asked to do a lot early. He can learn from a crafty vet who's undersized and Goran Dragic, And that's his main concern. Uh, if the defensive culture of Miami is, is, is one of his, concerns and so he learns to play defense under Eric Spolstra and he's protected by Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler I think you get a high upside pick at worst you get a I mean not at worst but but 
I, I see him as kind of a Steve Kerr, a Seth Curry as like a, as a floor. And I think, I mean, I've heard the, the joke of him being Steph Curry, but that's just hard to, hard to do. But I think you could be somewhere in between the Curry brothers. I think he's got more potential as a playmaker than Seth Curry. And he just doesn't, it's, it's hard to be Steph Curry, but he has shooting potential, playmaking potential. And that's a good fit for him to display, display what he's got and learn for a few years. Yeah, no one benefited from the amount of time of the draft getting delayed, I think, than Tyrell Terry, who had the time to improve his body overall, impress teams with his workouts, and has allowed him to enter the first-round conversation when, I mean, I watched him last year when he played Utah, and I did not see first-round NBA pick, and now some people have said he could go as even as low as the late teens, so it'll be interesting. I want to get, do you think a Tyrell Terry, Tyler Hero backcourt can work in the NBA? I think you might have to stagger them. But I think that's one thing the Heat do. They like to play a lot of players. They like to, they like, I mean, for instance, in the regular season, they played Myers Leonard as their starting center for most of the year. Very true. Uh, so I, I don't think he'd hurt you there. I, I, I think if they were still to have Bam, Jay Crowder, and Jimmy Butler, I, I think, granted, give Terry two or three years for this situation. And you play Hero, Terry, Butler, Bam, and, um, Jay Crowder or some power forward, whoever's there at the time. I don't think that's a bad lineup. I think Bam Bam's presence is is huge for this team. He's the he's the core. He's the he's the rim protector. He's the, the versatility. He can pass. I think you also want someone who can play grab and go. You pass to Bam. Bam's kind of the orchestrator of this offense. Uh, you put him in the high post. You 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 have Terry, uh, Duncan Robinson, and Tyler Hero running off screens. That's that's devastating. So I think that's a high upside pick i'm not sure that's what they will do i think they'd they'd strongly consider josh green get a good defender um but but i, I like that pick personally i i do as well i was I, i'm totally with you on here on tyrell's upside but just hearing you describe the player i was just interested to see how it, how it would fit so i appreciate your answering of that question so you said this so the 76ers may be a little bummed to not get terry but i think they can get another guy who's by far the biggest name left available that they still be pretty happy with and that's cole anthony who a lot of people still have as a guy who could go in the like just out he's probably outside the lottery player i'd say 15 to 25 is his draft range more than likely i i he kind of fell a little bit but coming into the year he was considered one of the five best players going into the college had a rough year at north carolina but I think he could be a really good six man for them. He's the kind of guy I think could hit some big time shots for that 76ers team that needs a guy who can hit the big time shot. I think he can be a really good six man coming there right away, score off the dribble and shoot it pretty well. You might worry about his inefficiencies early, but I still think he'd be a pretty good player. Not the best defender, but I think he'd fit pretty well in Philly. What do you think about Cole Anthony? I, uh, I think Cole got a bad rap because he played through injuries and that North Carolina team lacked talent on the wings. So he was asked to do a pretty hard thing is live up to what Kobe White did. But Kobe White had a really good team. He had Cam Johnson. He had Luke May. He had Nasir Little. Just a lot, a lot of more talent. And, and Cole Anthony is a high-level athlete, but he's not superb. And I think he was marketed as superb, so it was hard to live up to that. Um, but I think he can score. He's got a really nice pull-up jump shot game. He's got better vision than he displayed at North Carolina because their floor was pretty compact. They played two bigs. Uh, I, I like that pick. I, I think what they need to do is, assuming they keep Simmons, is get a shooter. So that's why I was saying you want Terry alongside him. Um, but, but, yeah, no, I, I can see him playing six-man or eventually turning into a, a decent level starting point guard. Yeah. 
I agree with you there. And hopefully it could come along as a shooter because you need to be able to shoot to play next to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. We definitely know that. So next up at 22, we get the Denver Nuggets coming off their surprise Western Conference Finals appearance. Missed out on Drew Holiday, but still in a really good position for this upcoming season. So what do you like about Denver and what do you think they do with this draft pick? So Denver has two trains of thoughts, if you ask me. And those are, do we go for someone to stash because we have a lot of talent? I mean, they're already returning the three core pieces of the future in Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and Michael Porter Jr. Um, They are most likely going to lose Jeremy Grant to free agency because he played himself out of their price range. Uh, I think Paul Millsap is going to leave. So I think you might want a power forward, but I don't see a power forward on the board that I really love for a fit for them. So I think they go with Pokushevsky. I mean, they already have, they like these projects. They, they really do. I think, I think they go, Hey, if he can run around screens, be super tall, we have Nikola Jokic for the future. We have bowl bowl. If one of these works out, we're going to be an all world team. And I, I think they already think they can compete. So they don't need someone to contribute earlier early. And because there's Jalen Smith's off the board is the guy I was going to take for the Nuggets. I think that's a good pick um, because you don't have to do anything early, but they need a thing forward. They need a wing. And the only other person I can see providing that for them is Josh Green. But I don't think they want to play Josh Green over Gary Harris and, and maybe um, PJ Dozier proved himself as well in, in the bubble. Yeah, I think that's a good point there. And, We'll definitely be interested to see what the Nuggets do. They're at an interesting position. If they were to take Polachewski, oh my gosh, the upside in those bigs when you talk about Bull Bull, Polachewski, Jokic. I think Jokic will obviously be there long term, but one of those guys in Bull Bull or Polachewski, if you continue to develop him the right way, you're going to get a lot in return for him. And they kind of steal Polachewski this late. Last year, they completely stole Bull Bull. He fell way too far, I thought. I know it was some concerns and scares a little bit with the injuries and stuff like that, but some of the guys that were taken out of it was like, come on, these NBA GMs are so conservative sometimes. Take a damn risk. So now we get up to the Knicks. So I'm going to have them take a little bit of a risk. And maybe this isn't the most Tom Thibodeau pick, but I don't think you can pass on the talent this guy has. And he's fallen pretty far, could fall even farther. And I'm going to take Jaden McDaniels here, forward out of Washington State, 6'9". I like his... Now there's a lot of concerns with McDaniels. It did not go very well at Washington last year. They had him and Isaiah Stewart and it just did not, they weren't able to win a lot of games and they were very up and down. But I think what you look at McDaniels is the ideal body type and length that hopefully you can get him by to buy into your system. And he, I think he has the tools to at least be a really good defender offensively. I don't think he'll ever be anything super special, but I think he can score in transition. He'll, he still showed flashes of a shot. So I think he can knock down some three still at the NBA level. And I think he could develop into a really good small ball four, or even you can pay him at the three as well. And I think they just, when you get this late in the draft, take a swing on some upside guys and trust your ability to develop, develop these guys. And I think that's what the Knicks do here. And they take McDaniels. So what are your thoughts on McDaniels as a player? So I watched a ton of film on McDaniels because the 23rd pick that was just taken by the Knicks was formerly my Utah jazz pick. So I was, I, I wanted to learn a lot about him as a swing potential pick. Um, McDaniels, is one of the like Brandon Ingram, Michael Beasley, Michael Porter Jr. molds. He's one of these isolate and that, that kind of like stem after Durant. They he's one of these isolation players who has the ability to shoot the ball and has a pretty stroke. I think I think he will be a good NBA shooter. Um, to answer that concern, I think a lot of his issues were shot selection and frustration. He knew he was super talented. But that team in Washington, the, the, sport, the floor was poorly spaced. 
and he got frustrated. He got he played through some injuries, and Isaiah Stewart was camping out in the middle, making it hard for him to drive, and he shoots a lot of mid-range jump shots, which made his field goal percentage go down just because it's a tough shot. Excuse me. Um, and I think McDaniels is a high upside pick. I think at 23, I would have been content with the Jazz taking him. And for the Knicks, you want to go for someone with upside, and he could be your Brandon Ingram. To me, to me, he fluctuates between if he – if he pans out mentally, if he's there mentally, he can be Brandon Ingram. Um, he, he has this length and, and, and feel for basketball that you don't really touch, uh, teach, really. You know, he's got this isolation ability. And if he doesn't, he's kind of uh, Michael Beasley to me um, because he's got the feel, the isolation skills, but he just doesn't play well with other players. So he's a swing pick, like you mentioned. But I think the Knicks can afford to do that because they've got a lot of pieces and, and he's fairly complimentary to what they have already. So I, I like that. Yeah, I agree with you. They're compliments those other guys very well, or at least they hope. And now you get it to number 24. Do the Bucks still own this pick or did it go to the Pelicans in their trade? That is a great question. I think it's the, I think it's the Pelicans now. It is the Pelicans now then. Okay. So I did a little, little on air mishap here. I had the Bucks written there, but I believe it should. I, I do believe you're correct. I think this pick should go to the Pelicans. I mean, you gave it three first round picks for Holiday, So you got to believe that this one should be the yeah. Pelicans pick right here. Pelicans are in a Pelicans are in a good position. They, we talked about it a little bit earlier. They have an exciting young core down there. They were able to pick up Aaron Naismith and our item take Naismith a little earlier. So what do you think they do with this extra first round pick at 24? This is, a, this is a tough one. Um, this is a really, really difficult pick because they have a lot. They, they, they have two point guards now in Bledsoe and Hill, and I don't think they're there for the long run, but you don't want to go point guard, and they also have Lonzo, of course. Um, but I was considering taking a point guard here. Um, they just added their shooter, which is the biggest pressing need. So I'm going to big man. I, I think they go Zeke Naji of Arizona. Uh, I think he, he's a good complement to Zion. And he can play it with Jackson Hayes. I'm not sure he's ready yet to be an all-time center. I think Najee's more complimentary to Zion anyway um, because he can space the floor. Uh, Najee's got a really pretty jump shot. He, he was the Pac-12 freshman of the year over on Yeko Kongwu, over Isaiah Stewart, over uh, Jaden McDaniels, over Tyrell Terry, over Josh Green. So he, he plays at a high level. He scored an 18.9 points per 36 minutes. He rebounds at a high level. He's got good touch, can space the floor, decent passer, slides his feet well at 6'10 and a half, uh, long reach. I think you go a little upside and just fit for what, what they have in, in Zion, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball being kind of cornerstones of this franchise. Love that you continued the floor spacing trend that I went with earlier. I think it's a really smart move for them. So now we get to Sam Presti here at 25 with his thousands of first round picks. It feels like he has through 2027 or 26, I believe it is. So Thunder are in a good position. They can take pretty much the best player available. I mean, you like Shea there, but outside of that, I feel like everything else is on the table. I do think Darius Blazy can one day become a good NBA player. I just want to throw that in there, but they are losing out on Danilo Gallinari. So let's get his replacement in here. I'm going to take Leandro Balamaru coming over from Argentina. He's a small forward there. He's a guy who's six, seven. So you got the NBA height praise for his IQ. I think he's a pretty good passer as well. You hope you can develop the rest of his game and he didn't become more of a better shooter. And defensively, he's never going to lock people down, but just help him become solid on that end. But I really like the passing ability and I think it'd be nice for them to get this guy in there. I think he's, this is the kind of pick where it's a good range for him. He's got that upside and I really like the IQ as mentioned. So what do you like about Balamaru? Oh, I might have just said that wrong. <laughs> uh, 
uh, yeah, I think it's Leandro Balmaro. Uh, yeah, I'm he, not a pronunciation guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's an Argentinian guard, uh, small forward. He's got the size to play either, but I think he he passes. I mean, the easy, lazy comparison is Manu Ginobili, which I don't think he is. I don't think he has that scoring upside, but he's Argentinian. He's left-handed. Um, to me, I think he's Joe Ingles, though. I think he provides he, – he's a, he's a scrappy defender. He provides great ball screen awareness, shoots the ball decently, and I think he might be a stash for a year and then develop, or he could play immediately. Um, he's young. He passes. He, he really spaces the floor. He's very aware, and, and I like that pick. I think at 25, you want someone who could be something good down the road, but you also want someone who is complementary to those higher first-round picks that they're going to have with all these picks coming in. And I think that's something that not a lot of teams are aware of uh, or are aware of enough because not everyone's supposed to be the man. And if you're going to have a top, a lot of top five picks in the next three years, especially with the double draft in 2022, 2021 has got a lot of really talented players. I think you want to go for someone who's passed first. And I I like that pick of Mm Baltimore. Now, moving on, we have the Boston Celtics up for the second time, and it's your second time picking for the Celtics. So what do you think they do here? That is a great question. Um, Well, I I think you go best available if you're the Celtics here. And unfortunately, because as a Jazz fan, I would love for this guy to be here at 27, but but I will do my due diligence and pick the best available, and I think that is Josh Green. Um, I think Josh Green doesn't add a ton to the Celtics, but he provides someone who could be good down the road as a transition player and can defend and shoot better than Shemi Ojale. I think him and Grant Williams can man a second unit very well, especially with Romeo Langford as well. And and I don't really think there are too many options for the Celtics at 26 that they're going to like. I think they want to package this, this with the 14 pick and try to get up in the draft and get Onyeko Kongu personally. Um, the other, the other option, actually, I know I took, I took, uh, I think I took Tyra Lewis at 16 or no, I took RJ Hampton for F14 for them. I wonder, I wonder if you could take Trey Jones or Theo Maladon and do a stash of Maladon. I'm actually going to amend my pick because Josh Green is, is, uh, is he, he kind of does what they've got already in Romeo Langford. He does what, I, I sorry, I, I had my big board messed up. I apologize. There you go. <laughs> um, I think Theo Maladon actually does some things that they could like. He's six five. He's long. He's a pass first guy, and he could fit defensively as a point guard or a shooting guard. And I think him and RJ Hampton could grow well together. I think Romeo Langford, Grant Williams. That's a nice second unit. And Josh Green is kind of a is a mix of Romeo Langford and Grant Williams. And I don't think you want all three of them playing two through four. So that, that is my pick there. I, I apologize for throwing you off there. I feel you. Danny Ainge sends the pick in and then sprints back up to the table to make the quick switch. I like you staying on your feet there, Leaf. And let's, it, have, it, let's it, was, it was it was Danny Ainge like. I, I will yeah. I will say that. I wasn't really looking at my big board. I was kind of just using the noggin, and then I was like, wait a mm-hmm. moment, I haven't I haven't chosen this pick. So so I, I like that pick actually. The more I thought about it. Yeah, I think it's a good call. And Leaf, I'm actually going to stay with you here because now we have your Utah Jazz up after trading back with those New York Knicks, acquiring the extra second round pick. We have him here at 27. And your guy, Josh Green, is on the board now because you went back and took Theo Meldon. But what do you think the Jazz do here? Well, I, I personally don't think Josh Green will fall this far. But based off the way we, we did this draft, I really do think not only was that a pick that behooves my Jazz, but I really don't think Green helps the Celtics. 
So with that being said, I, I'm taking Josh Green um, for the Jazz. I think he fits perfectly because Donovan Mitchell is the point guard of the future. Um, and Green provides the ability to have off- some offensive upside. His form on his jump shot is good. He shoots 78% of the free th- from the free throw line and 33% or 36% from three. But that varied very wildly. Like he had, he had a slump in January and February and shot really well in during the short month of March and half of December. So his, his numbers were all over the place in terms of splits from three, but his form's good. His preparation's really good. He's a very high-level athlete, uh, scoring no lower than seventh in all combine athleticism tests. Uh, he provides an element for that I think the Jazz need in terms of transition scoring. He's a phenomenal transition scorer. I think he's among, I think behind Devin Vassell, he's probably the second best uh, help side defender as a guard and on ball defense is what the jazz really need. As we saw when they played Jamal Murray, we don't have a wing stopper. Um, and alongside Donovan Mitchell, I think Royce O'Neal is a comparison for Josh Green, but I think Josh Green's bigger physically already as a 19 year old than Royce O'Neal is as a 26 year old. And he provides more offensive upside. I see Josh Green as kind of a Matt Barnes, uh, you know, the Clippers, Matt Barnes, type of guy, maybe a Michael Petrus, uh, if we're going, we believe warriors type of guys. And, and I think he can shoot at a decent enough level based off an nearly 80% free throw shooting as a complimentary option with Nico man, Zeke Naji at Arizona and offensive upside. He's got good touch on a floater. He, he provides some dynamism and he fits the timeline of the jazz with Donovan Mitchell being the centerpiece. Yeah, I think you just highlighted all those really good reasons. And getting another guard there would be really nice. I would love to see Donovan Mitchell at point place in point guard a little bit too. So I think Green is a guy who could slide in well next to him if they were to make that transition. So it bounces back to being me now, back with the Thunder, who they took the Balmari, a little bit of developmental pick. Like you said, stash them over in Europe for a few years, then bring them over. And they're in an interesting spot here. I'm literally I'm going back and forth between two guys, but you know, you know what I'm going to talk about? I'm going to take this guy because I really want to talk about him and I like this game. I like Isaiah Stewart. I don't think Steven Adams is long for them. I think he's out of his prime a little bit. And I think you can get another, you can get another first round pick, a late first for Steven Adams. I think teams would love him. Adams is one of the strongest guys in the league. And you're getting a guy in Isaiah Stewart who plays very strong in the post as well. I really like his game down there. I think he'll be able to bully some of the smaller smaller fours and just centers in the league down there with a little bit more development need to work on a little bit, his passing out of double teams. I think that'd be a concern early and need a little bit more out of the shot, but I really like his ability to man the middle. And I've always been a fan of physical post-up guys. And I think that's what Stewart provides and kind of counter the small ball way the league is going right now. So what are your thoughts on Stewart? I think Isaiah Stewart is a really old like if, if he were picked five seven years ago he'd be lottery for sure he's, he's back to the basket he's really strong he carves up space I think he lacks some vertical athleticism but a, a quote from his coach Mike Hopkins at um, at Washington was every time he matches up against one of these uh, these big guys that is taken in the lottery Isaiah Stewart wins and and he he was the better player um, than Jaden McDaniels at Washington he was the best player he was first team all pack 12. He carved out space. He was nearly a double, double a night. Um, and, and I like that pick because he, I think he can space it too. I think he can play you some center because he's really strong and he's only 19, but he also, I, I like his touch. He didn't shoot phenomenally percentage wise, but I, I think that also, like I said, with McDaniels had to do with some spacing issues of that whole team. Um, but I like his touch. He shot well from the free throw line 
And defensively, I'd, I'd be a little concerned. You want, I think you'd want to pair him with a, a really solid defensive core. I don't think he's a rim protector per se, but I think offensively, uh, he's a, he's a nice pick at, especially at 28th in the draft. Yeah. Encouraging to hear you talk about his shot as well. I think that's something that Presty would be happy to hear. Now we get to the Toronto Raptors, who are an interesting spot when you got, it seems like a bunch of their guys could be leaving. Serge Ibaka, Marcus Saul, Fred Van Vliet really wants to get paid. We don't know what kind of timeline Kyle Lowry's on, but you still got OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. And Nick Nurse is one of the best coaches in the league. So they're in an interesting position right now. Are they still going to try to continue to win now or rebuild for a few years? What do you think they do here at 29? This is one of the tougher picks. So I think a perfect guy for them would have been Zeke Naji, but I took him earlier. Um, I still think you go power forward center, and I think you go with Michigan State's Xavier Tillman. Um, Xavier Tillman is a great defender in a Big Ten conference that was dominated by big men, Daniel O'Toole, Luca Garza, um, John Teske, uh, Kofi Coburn. Xavier Tillman locked him all up. He won Defensive Player of the Year. He's a phenomenal screener. He, he paired with Cassius Winston, who I think is the best pick and roll guard in this entire draft. Um, he has great hands. He's a phenomenal passer. He averaged a pretty, pretty incredible assist per game average for a big man catching all these short rolls. Um, let me try to find that stat for you. I think he averaged 3.4 assists um, in 36 minutes on lower usage rate. He had 2.4 blocks in, in that time and 1.3 steals. So he's, he fits the, the mold of what Toronto likes to do. They like to have a good defensive big man. And one of his concerns is shooting because he didn't do a ton of it at Michigan State. But then in the combine drill, the star drill, he shot a very high percentage um, on three-pointer, proving he can stretch the floor. He's also very mature. He's, he's a junior, um, but he's married with two kids, and he's a, an academic All-American. I think he fits Toronto's cult, culture nicely, and he's rising up some big boards. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to like the all, all academic stuff you just mentioned there. So that brings us to number 30, final pick of this first round, and it's the third time the Boston Celtics have popped up. So with Boston here, I think we've done a good job of hitting the guards and even some smaller forwards for them, but they really need a center. And if you look at it, we've taken a lot, this center, this draft is not heavy on centers. We've taken a lot of the best centers away already. So I'm going to swing for a guy whose name hasn't been mentioned a lot in the first round, but I've brought him up before in other things I've done as a sleeper and a guy I really liked who I got to see in person this year. And that's Daniel Oturu out of Minnesota. He's a guy who I think it hurt, might have even hurt him a little bit, how he didn't get an opportunity in the tournament to shine a little bit because I thought he was really good. He was a really good player in the Big Ten. He made all the Big Ten, all Big Ten first team, I do believe as well. He's another, he's a little bit of a throwback big, similar to Stewart. He shoots it well from three, but he can play very well in the post-up game as well. Throw it down there. He's going to hit you with some jump hooks and stuff like that. And a, a pretty good rim projector as well. Does not move well in space. And that's the biggest concern with him in today's NBA. It's something you need to do, which is why he falls to 30. But hope you can improve on that and I think they bring in a guy still who has a lot of upside for them at center can space the floor and protect the rim so what do you think about Oturu yeah I, I really like Oturu he was one of my favorite guys to watch in college basketball uh he he shoots the ball better than almost any big in this draft I think Jalen Smith might be the only guy who has a claim to say he's a better pure shooter as a big man like a true big and Oturu is long he rebounds the ball well at 6'10 he was a walking double-double at Minnesota. Uh, he passes the ball. I think his biggest knock is, is sliding his feet. And the Celtics are really trying to upgrade from Daniel Tice, who, who does slide his feet really well, but he's only 6'8". And that's why they want Okongwu so bad. Um, I, think, I think that's a good pick. I wonder, I wonder if they're trying to go big 
if a guy like Paul Reed, who, who's just a really, really good athlete from DePaul, who's, who's raw, but they don't need scoring so much uh, that I think he could be very similar to Tice. But I think I was going center as well, and, and I, I think there's grounds to stand on for Otoro at, at 30. Mm-hmm. To close this thing out, because that's going to do it for the first round mock, Leaf, I just want you to talk about a couple of the players that we didn't talk about yet, that whether they're sleepers, guys think could still go in the first round, or just players you're high on that we haven't touched on yet. Uh, all righty. Uh, see, I, I've done a lot of research. So some of these guys are just personally who I like, and some of them are who I think are deserving of first round grade. So one is the one I just mentioned, Paul Reed. Um, and a lot of mocks, he's the mid forties, but he's, he's defensively a menace. Like he, he averaged in, in just per 36 minutes, he averaged 12.2 rebounds, 2.9 blocks and 2.1 steals with only 3.4 fouls. And he somehow scored 17.2 points in that, even with a very, what seems like a deficient offensive game. So he's wildly productive. He's very athletic. And he's a guy I'm personally hoping my jazz look at um, as, as a backup big guy who can also play the four. Uh, I think like the Celtics, the jazz, a lot of these teams that are lacking some dynamism from their backups and could eventually be a starter. I think he's one of those guys that, because he went to DePaul, a smaller basketball school that didn't get seen a lot. And they're like, oh, it's because he went to DePaul that he's putting up these numbers. But I, I think he legitimately has some traits that'll make him a good player. And his shot's really funky, but he has some good touch, which is bizarre. Um, I'm never saying he's going to be a three-point shooter, but there's room to hope he can knock down some push shots, some hook shots, and, and he's got impressive length. Um, so that's one of them. And I've got a few more, but what, what, have you, do you have any thoughts on Paul Reed as well? I like all the things you mentioned right there. I have not done a ton of work on Reed, but all the things you described sound very intriguing to me in his regard. I'll throw in one guy and then we'll go back to you for a few more. I really like Peyton Pritchard. I just think he's a really good backup point guard long-term. And I think he's just got that ability to hit those big time shots. Got a little bit of swagger. If you looked at him, you'd swear he played at Duke. He seems like such a Dukey the way he played. And when he played Utah this past year, I totally, I was like, oh, I hate this guy, but I respect him because he's a baller. He can get a bucket. And I know he's going to step up in big time moments, hit some big time shots and make the right pass and play. So if you like Pritchard, you can talk about him a little bit more or continue to talk about some of those other guys you're high on. Well, I'll just give a plug. I'm a point guard guy. I love point guards. Uh, Pritchard was a pleasure to watch for four years. And, and I, I like him. I think I'm, I'm confident he'll carve out a nice role. So, but I'll just, I'll just go through a few point guards that I think are not being named as much in the first round, but will be in the NBA for a long time to come. And, and those guys for me are Peyton Pritchard, Cassius Winston, who he's just got this, he's gutsy. He passes super well. He's a super high level shooter. And when I said Tyrell Terry is the best shooter of, of, of the draft off the dribble, I misspoke. He's the best shooter that I think we're going the first round off the dribble. Cassius Winston is the best shooter off the dribble. Um, I think I think he's really good. And then I think Trey Jones in a lot of places will also will be a first rounder. But uh, we didn't have him in ours, so I think those are three point guys I really like. There's also this scorer named Grant Riller from College of Charleston. Um, but one guy that, that sticks out to me is uh, Trey Jones's teammate at Duke, Cat, uh, Cassius Stanley. Uh, I, as a Jazz fan, I, he's similar to Josh Green for me. Someone who will run the floor who's got a, a superior athleticism and is fine playing defense and will hit an open three. Um, I think it, if you look at his traits, like he, uh, right after Zion set a vertical record at Duke, Cassius Stanley came in and shattered that. Uh, he's rumored to have, 
hit a 47 inch vertical at the combine. I think he hit 44.5, but at Duke, he hit 46.5. So he bounces, he's long, he's athletic, he shot a decent percentage. And he's a guy that I think could very well, like teams are hush hush about because they want to take him in the first round and don't want other teams to know about him. And because of the way the combine is this year or the lack thereof, um, is that teams can't work out players against other players. And I think he's a guy that really would have helped his own stock um, similar to the way I'm not saying he, he's at all like this, but as a jazz guy, Donovan Mitchell won like the jazz spot because he dismantled the guards he played in his workouts and they're not doing collaborative workouts right now. And I think Stanley could have really benefited from some of those. So I think he's a guy who's going to go in the second round, but will be around the NBA for a long time. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you highlighted Cassius first and foremost. I think that was the guy that, if I could, if there was a name we didn't bring up, that's probably going to go in the first round. I feel like it's Cassius in that later portion. He just didn't fall for it like that, unfortunately. I'm also just late guys. Nico Mannion is one that intrigues me. Jamias Ramsey out of Texas Tech. I just saw him hit some big time shots in the national championship game in person. So deeper sleeper, I think. I'd just be interested to see him and Emmanuel Quigley. And I got to throw in some love for Killian Tilly too out of Gonzaga. I think that's a guy if it weren't for some injuries would be even higher, but it's going to be very interesting to see how the draft shakes out and it'll be, there's going to be a lot of big time players on the move. Teams are going to be moving up. Teams are going to be moving back. So very excited to see how this all plays out. And thank you for Leaf for joining me today. Really appreciate you taking the time with us, Leaf. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. Yep. That's going to do it for this edition of from the stands, but appreciate you guys listening in and we'll be excited to see how the NBA draft unfolds signing off.